0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Christelle Martinet, and as part of the idea um, of pleasure, it came to mind uh, to me that many people probably think that pleasure is a no-no. You know, people think pleasure is equal to eroticism, is equal to sex, is equal to taboo, and... um, That is probably the reflection of the media and and what we see, read, watch. But if you can just take a moment and think of the last time you felt pleasure when looking at a child or, um, or playing with a child, that will put you back on track as to what pleasure really means. And probably, I think, what we can say about pleasure that uh, would see us all agree is that pleasure is all about our senses. Uh, We feel through our senses. We see, we hear, we smell, we, um, we look. And the thing that Um, Probably the concept that most closely can um, help us in understanding pleasure and giving pleasure is the word sensations, your sensation. What do you feel? What is your sensation? You went to a movie, uh, a new movie, everybody's talking, there's the hype there's all this hype about this new movie and you go to the movie and usually people will say well how how was it did you like it um and yes or no is really just not an answer it's it's just not good enough right um and usually we'll just start and talk about the plot and describe the characters and what you liked what you didn't like but Rarely do we use words like this scene made me feel as if, or um, something similar to that. So the person who listens to us really gets the impression of what it meant for you. And no other words are really needed after that. So let's think about our sensations and how Um, Let's try to see if we can use the notion of sensations uh, and sensations through different um, senses. For example, uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve, I was in Rome, and um, I didn't want to, I I had such a very long day, I can't remember why, Um, and I wasn't alone. I I had uh, a friend with me, but... Um, the interesting part was that I really didn't want to go partying. I wanted to be with people, but I didn't want to go partying. And living in, in the center of a city, or well, you really have to do one, you think, that you just have to go and, you know, uh, go on the streets and you'll be with other people. But I vaguely remember that there was an ordinance, um, a city ordinance that the mayor had put out uh, that Forbade the use of of firecrackers or, or a certain type of firecracker, or something like that. So I thought, oh well, this is going to be a really underplayed, you know, uh, an underplayed New Year's. And usually, all the great firecracker people are in Naples, and and that's the place where you really have to stay under lock and key because it could be dangerous. You know, you hear these horrible stories. So. It was nearing, um, you know, I had a late dinner. I went and had a late dinner and um, walking around uh, close to where I live, about 15 minutes from the Coliseum, on my way to the Coliseum, actually, slowly but surely around 1130, there were family members, families with children. and That was the the brunt of it. That was the biggest group of people that were around. And... All of a sudden, you started hearing and and seeing things flying. The dads of the families were putting things on the ground that looked like, to me, probably went beyond the idea of uh, forbidden fireworks. They were really powerful. I, I, I thought, what's going on here? Didn't anybody know? So, of course, you don't look at the people in that moment, but you raise your gaze so you can get the show. You know the show and when I was raising my eyes and I started looking at the show I remembered a scene from my childhood I was living in our family uh, came over and from Italy my dad and my mom immigrated and to the United States and they ended up living near an aunt uh, in Patterson New Jersey really in the center of the town and I could remember every 4th of July sitting in front of my house with my sisters, my mom and dad, and eating my mom's meatball sandwiches when we were looking up at the sky <laughs> and we were watching all of these, these fireworks. And for a split second, I saw that it was the children probably in the group that in, around me that gave me that sensation. And I in for a split second I smelt the gravy in that sandwich. And it was, it literally brought tears to my eyes. You know, and of course, how long did it take me to just explain that to you? It took at least about three or four minutes. And so giving the person next to me that sensation in one word. It almost, is, is almost impossible. But it's not necessarily the communication to others about what we feel that's really important. It's an added value, I have to admit. But that's, you know, in another chapter, let's say. What is really um, our true added value in these sensations when we feel them? is that all of a sudden you relive those fantastic moments, those those pleasurable moments that, you know, made it possible for you to remember and have that imprint of the best fireworks in the world. And by far my favorite, and to this day, my favorite are the ones that go up straight in the sky and burst like a star and are the color orange. I think many of you will know what I'm talking about. So, you know, that was a, a moment that brought back to me the sensation of the colors of these fireworks, the smell of the maple sandwich I was eating, the taste of the sauce, and you know the feeling that that it was a holiday there was celebration that was definitely a sensation of celebration back in rome there i was on the street with my friend and watching this and have there were children and people couples kissing on the streets and you know people eating and, and it was just a, a full of everything I, I was, you know, I thought to myself, wow, this really is life. Now, why did I open, you know, this digression? Why did I went, go on to tell you about these fireworks when I was a child like, my mother's meatball sandwiches? And I wasn't really a big eater. I was such a scrawny kid. They were always trying to make me eat with something. But I could remember those meatball sandwiches. Now... Why did I do that? Well, I wanted to let you know that at my tender age today, I still, I still have that magic, because it's magic, really, to be able to go back in time and touch all those precious moments when everyone was younger, when everything was different, but really is exactly the same as what. I was experiencing then. Um, We lived at the time in front of factories, we were on the corner, and there were factories all over us, you know, Patterson, the industrial silk producer, the greatest silk producer in the world, well the second best I think it was in the 1900s. And so you got used to sleeping with that sound. They never closed. They were always working all night long. So in the summertime, the windows were open and you can hear this. this Then after a while, you didn't hear it anymore. And I had to really think hard before I came out with this part of my story to you about the sound of the factories because that was the underlying noise or the background. Not, that was fizzled out by my memory. It just went into the background. Now this idea, this idea of the sensations and how you feel, what you see, what you smell, is really, really important because once you understand that they're all parts of a puzzle that we really can rearrange and try to make them fit in different locations, in different settings of the same picture. And if one doesn't work, you change it and you do another one. You just move it, move another piece in the, until you get it right. Um, so you can see from what I'm saying uh, that things emerge truths emerge, our visions emerge, our smells, the very pungent odors emerge. In that 4th of July setting, We there was the falls, the um, Passaic Falls, I think it's called. There were these huge waterfalls and it was a power uh, plant there. And where I lived was right under the falls. So when we looked up at the sky between the factories and saw all these wonderful uh, visions, you could actually smell the, the burning, you can smell the aftermath of shooting fireworks. It was so close. Now, when you sit and remember something like that, you can, just as I am doing now, Put some things in the background and bring something to the foreground and it's your mind that allows you to do that and it's your will that will permit you to do that. And and to be able to have the freedom of mind, the liberty of mind to do that, of course, we cannot be immersed in a windmill situation thinking about other people or, you know, Uh, in in a situation that's been bothering us. I don't know how to pay the rent and all of that. But I bring pleasure to myself by going back and remembering because we have come a long way. You have come a long way, baby. Just you forget about it. You've forgotten. We don't remember our strengths. There's an expression in English called the strength of our convictions. And that means that when we are convinced of something, when we have a fundamental feeling that, for example, we're living in a time of uh, pandemics. We we have this uh, coronavirus and COVID-19 virus around us. And daily, you know, on this side of the pond, I was an old New Yorker. I used to live in New York for many years. I um, grew up in New Jersey, but I lived in New York for many years. I really wait for, in our time, in, in um, Central European time, it's about 6 p.m. in the afternoon, when we see, when I'm able to see, um, Governor Cuomo will go live and talk about the situation. And I feel like it's got now to a time where I almost prepare my popcorn and sit and listen to him using him as an expression because he comes off as being today in this context as being a very powerfully calm persona that makes us feel calm and i'm not talking politics here Uh, it's not blue white like he says it's red white and blue (laughs) but the way he uses language and the way he has a Uh, the power of his convictions. That's how come I use his. This is why I'm using him as an example. He talks freely about his mother, Matilda, his daughters, Michaela. He's always talking about families. What can you do, he says, when you're in this situation of lockdown? Make up the phone, call your lover, call your friend. See how they are. Make contact, that communication is so, so important. The power of our convictions for uh, Andrew Cuomo is family. I'm not saying it's for all of us. The notion of family is very culture-bound. It's culture-bound. Family doesn't mean the same thing in Sweden. It doesn't mean the same thing in India. It has an extended meaning in some places, and a very restricted meaning in other places. Family in Indian tribes also mean our brothers, literally our blood brothers, our tribe in terms of our friends, our closest people closest to us in a geographical notion. So the family concept is very culture bound. But I'm using him as an example because he's in the media today so so much. He has the power of his convictions, and no matter where you come from. No matter what color you are. And no matter where you live in the United States, what he says about New Yorkers being kind of heart and we protect each other. That's who we are. All of his all of his statements talk like family talk. We here are a family. In hospitals, it's the hospital family. You know, and it's Very, very strong. Now, bringing that to sensations, linking the power of our convictions to sensations is an extremely powerful tool. First of all, for our own benefit. What do you firmly believe? Do you believe that all men and women are created equal? then when you toot your horn you will be so so powerful that people will sit and listen or for example if you are a working girl literally and turn tricks during the daytime or nighttime and you are you firmly believe that has transformed your life and your very soul. Get up. Talk about it. People will be mesmerized. I'm talking about remembering who we are, how we got here, and where we are going. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a pleasure. I will be back. Namaste. Have a good one today.